0: Coming up, what an excellent day for birthdays. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to Minute 24 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist Minute by Terrifying Minute. My name is Lester Clark.
1: And I'm Keenan Diaz.
0: And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. All right, so our minute begins with Reagan explaining to Chris about her new friend Captain Howdy,
1: and it ends with Chris asking what Reagan wants to do for her birthday.
0: Mm, it's your birthday. It's a bit, uh,
1: oh. yeah. So this um this first shot of our minute, which is after this insert um that where the planchette goes crazy on the Ouija board, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's interesting. So our viewers, I don't know if they've gone and cut the exorcist into 132 individual minutes and they have to pull up different files but if you're able to (laughs) on your dvd or your amazon or your your mov um this shot that we have where chris is saying like oh i guess you don't want to play Mm -hmm. it feels like the previous one uh before we had the insert but it actually is different before the uh, insert of the ouija board Mm -hmm. We have a relatively loose framing of of the two of them they're relatively far apart from each other it's pretty warm, even though chris is sitting and um, and Reagan is standing they don't seem that much different in size right yeah and then after the insert of of the Ouija board and this big change uh-huh. Um, Even though we have Chris on the left and Reagan on the right, now they're much closer. It's another angle of them. It's a darker background. And Reagan feels like she is gigantic compared to Chris.
0: Yeah, she's standing. I can see it now. She's sort of like towering over. Yeah, Yeah, even
1: though they have not moved. That's the power of cinema, baby. (laughs) Right. The actors have not moved at all. But where the camera is, it's it's height and what Mm -hmm. our background is. It changes the entire dynamic of the relationship, perhaps forever. Oh my gosh. You know, when I was in, um, when I was a student, uh, mm. as an actor, right. We'd be looking at like, why, wh- why is this scene important? And, you know, we try to make every scene important, mm. or, you know, was, why is it in the, in the screenplay? Right. right. Um, so it'd be like, after this conversation, nothing will ever be the same again. After this bus ride, nothing will ever be this after this mm. hot dog, nothing will ever be <laughs> the same again, <laughs> but this really feels like the, the turning point in their relationship. Like we are now in the exorcist to me.
0: Interesting. Ah, and this is actually, so to speak to that, so in the book, this is like the first thing that, that worries Chris. Like, I like how we have, um, you know, these noises and these weird happenings, but the first thing that like troubles her is this thing right here where, uh, something might be wrong with Reagan, right? Mm-hmm. Their relationship is, uh, is changing, is, uh, uh, becoming different. Um, and it was like you said in the previous minute, Keenan, with, like this is something that is so heavy on chris's mind that she doesn't even notice the spooky thing happening she doesn't even notice the planchette going crazy because like hang on what's happening with my daughter like what's happening between us right right
1: my daughter Um, is being a little moody a little teenager-y
0: yeah um so she notes in the book that howdy Sounds really close to Howard, Mm -hmm. which is her ex husband, Reagan's father. And going back to that, like, psychological aspect of the Ouija board, um, Chris sort of wonders if maybe this is like some unconscious resentment. Like manifesting in the form of an imaginary playmate, um, and she notices right like that Howdy doesn't answer. We're, we see this like right here where um, Reagan explains. It's like, well, I do the questions and Howdy makes the answers. <laughs> and then the first question she asks, right? They sit. They both sit down, and and uh, uh, mom is sort of like humoring her daughter. It's like, oh, Captain Howdy, yeah. <laughs> right? And it starts out as this kind of like innocent. It's like, Captain Howdy, do you think my mom is pretty? And you can see that chris kind of like smiles it's like oh what are you doing i know what right. you're doing right oh, and she, you're gonna
1: give me a compliment of my life right yeah
0: right and she you know she reaches out and she sort of like like play play you know uh punches uh you know her daughter's arm mm-hmm. and then no answer and in the book this like Chris is thinking, is like okay what is this what is this new thing is this like some sort of like unconscious resentment towards me like howdy sounds like howard like what's what's going on here and this and to your point kenan this is sort of the beginning of that rift between these two characters Mm -hmm. and remember folks those those six themes right you know doubt isolation despair conviction communion hope this demon is pulling apart these two characters who find strength in each other right and when they're alone when they're isolated you know what can happen like what you know where is where is their legs to stand on
1: right it's part of what's brewing under under all of this i think is reagan turning into a teenager from a child um when you read uh when you read uh, synopses of the exorcist it's it always frames her as a little girl Mm. Right. It doesn't it's just it's this little girl, this innocent little girl who is um, who is possessed by a demon.
0: Right. That's I, the tag. That's like, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: You 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 understand why why we would say that. But Reagan is is both. A, she is a she is a child. Mm-hmm. Right. But she is she's a, what we might call a tween today. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that today Reagan would resent being called a child at her age. being a 12 year old she's she's pubescent she is she is becoming a a new thing she's becoming a teenager Mm. right so so i think the movie is a more nuanced than that tag right that this is this child uh who's done this she she does childish things she still does artwork she likes horses etc but she's not she's not a little girl Mm. and that's i think hard for for chris to understand and for chris to um to accept right that she will have thoughts about um about not only later on when when the demon has full force and and Reagan has this sexual nature to her that's very disturbing, but thoughts about like oh maybe my mother isn't always right, maybe my father has a point. That's something mm. that is that is that children don't necessarily little children um really understand, but thinking tweens, <laughs> thinking teenagers do understand and start to question.
0: Right, right. The idea of uh Chris's. Uh, little daughter, her little baby daughter, like mm-hmm. asking, "It's like, are you going to marry Burke, right?" Which right. we're, you know, going to see in, uh, I think, the very next minute, right? Mm-hmm. Questions about, questions about, it's like, well, don't you love daddy? Don't you, you know, um, you know, don't you still uh, uh love my father? Mm-hmm. Um, and are you going to marry this this other person who's ha- who's been hanging around the house so much? Like that's that's not a question that the girl who made you uh, you know a paper mache bird. Right is going to ask. That's a that's a that's a different person right there.
1: And of course, they are all the same person, right? Because that that's the the contradictions of this period of time in, in a person's life. So a child's life. So when you look at, um, if you're able to pull up the Amazon video, <laughs> pull up your MOV, your DVD, your your collection of TikToks of a minute at a time that you recorded off of the uh, the screen in the theater, you'll see a back and forth between this power dynamic uh, between mother and child in this, in this blocking in this scene. Um, so it's, you know, we cut to the insert when we cut back, Reagan is now towering above Chris. Chris is smaller. She's frightened. They're much closer together in a sort of threatening way. Then when we cut to Reagan Her background is no longer the background we saw in the corner of just the kids' corner, which you rightly point out is kids' stuff, but it's also menacing um, uh, fairy tales and wildlife and that sort of thing. Now we're including part of the wine cellar that's down there. Ooh, okay yeah so it's like oh we're including different aspects of reagan's play spot yeah she has a play spot there it's also uh, you know we've tucked her away <laughs> next to the wine cellar and we just want her to be a kid and not question you know these adult things right and then but i mean we... like
0: wine is a very like like drinking alcohol that's like a a, a rite of passage kind of right.
1: like <laughs> yeah and she's right in the center of those two spaces you see right between um uh between her little corner of art and then the grown-up world um and then we'll cut back again she sits down and now they're going to be buddies um and we get back to the original um the original submaster or two shot that is bright and airy when the mother is on the same level as the kid and and here in that shot we can see the bird that she's built for Chris right we're going back and forth between these different iterations of of it and again it's not something that you would consciously necessarily notice in the in the visual blocking and the composition but you know All of these changes in color and light and height and, um, you know, who's, who's taller than the other one is matched with the drama of the scene, right? What's actually happening in the dialogue.
0: It's interesting because reading the book again, it's still hard to like pinpoint exactly when this change happens. It's so, Mm -hmm. um, I guess the word is insidious, but it's like, it's (laughs) sneaky. It's like, uh, you know, at one minute you blink and I guess this is how parents feel, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one minute, you know, you're, you're with your daughter uh, or your son or your, your kid and They're, they're just like all smiles and, and lovey-dovey and it's, and it's, they're, they're going to be young and innocent forever. And then you blink and then suddenly it's like, where did this like, like moody despondent teenager come from? Mm -hmm. Like. You know, I all I did was turn my head to look at something for like five seconds, and now like I've got this new person in my house. Right,
1: and then they go back <laughs> for for a brief shining moment. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I would point out that in the screenplay we have this scene that's interrupted with some creepy creaking from from a closet where the Ouija board came from, and we've cut that out. So there's enough um, there's enough scary or potentially scary things with the Ouija board or with you know just Reagan. Um, being independent from her mother—that we don't need another like. Oh God, there's something over the over our shoulder looking at things.
0: I like that. I like to. I like that uh, we're putting the focus on the relationship changing being the scary thing rather than this like outside supernatural force.
1: Right interesting okay we don't don't quite need it i guess or that's at least what friedkin and and the editor has decided
0: i like that because ultimately it's going to come to the same thing right like whether we we decide like that there's a demon in reagan or that like this is a you know a story about um you know a little girl becoming uh you know a a young woman it's it, it it amounts to the same thing because like it is between them. It's the relationship between them. Right.
1: There, there's, um. we were talking with uh, with Andy Nelson about, you know, why we like certain horror movies at certain periods of time, right? There, there's a lot of talk in the 1970s and 80s, or not during it, but afterwards, when we're sort of looking back at the kind of movies that we make, that they are about, you know, divorce. We we didn't typically tell movies about divorce in the 50s and 60s. That was still pretty taboo. Hmm, um, yeah. And so when we have horror movies that are about, divorce or the disillusion of the family they can they can manifest themselves in movies like the exorcist which is at its heart about this little girl you know being ripped away from her her mother but also things like oh dysfunctional families the texas chainsaw massacre or the hills have eyes um you know the the reverse of those of of what is what is this nuclear family that we've been told is supposed to be so great anyways well they're the people under the stairs who eat human beings
0: right yes yes ah this is fascinating i love this um so we're not sure why Captain Howdy doesn't answer, mm-hmm. um, but it it like it seems like a calculated thing. It seems like not answering is all part of the plan. Um, it's to to drive these two characters uh, farther and farther apart.
1: Huh. That's interesting to think from his point of view. So we're for, so here we're imagining that Captain Howdy is real. We're just taking mm-hmm. that as a given. Right. That he, has so he is moved, a character and he has motivations. Yeah. Yeah, and he has moved the planchette. To no, to tell Reagan, don't don't have your mother ask questions right um and then he that he doesn't answer whether your mother so he doesn't want to show himself in front of chris you're saying yes um, so it's,
0: so it's not that he's like, like, cause, cause Chris suggests it's like, oh, maybe he's asleep, right? Like, it's not that he's, it's not that he's, you know, distracted or he's off. It's like, oh, now I'm going to go bother father Marin now. It's like, oh, no, I missed, I missed my opportunity. You know, like he's, he's there. He's like sitting with his arms folded and he's like, nope, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to move that planchette. And this is all going to be, this is actually going to work in my favor.
1: That Chris doesn't know that I'm there. That so, Chris doesn't
0: know that I'm there, and also it's going to put it's going to plant the seed in her mind that Reagan hates her
1: secretly. Yeah, Reagan's keeping secrets from her. right? Yeah, that mm-hmm. Reagan, um, Reagan goes to the trouble of saying, "Hey, I have an imaginary friend, and no, you are not allowed to know him." <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> like I mean, kids with their with their real friends, right? There, you know, you make friends in middle school, and your parents are like, "Who are your friends?" You're like, "Nobody. <laughs> I don't want to talk about them." <laughs> oh, and it breaks their heart.
0: Yeah. It's got to be the most, I mean, like I haven't experienced it yet, but like it, I, I can't imagine like, like, you know, uh, your kid comes home and it's like, oh, what did you do all day? And it's like, oh, nothing. It's like you did things and (laughs) you just don't want to, to, to share
1: them. Right. Yeah. That's the kind of kid that I was in middle school.
0: Mm. I think, I think I was too.
1: Yeah. I suppose a lot of people are. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and uh, my father asked me about that relatively recently. I said, oh, you know, high school was great for me because the idea of um, oh, high school being a, a terrible time for people, which I think is the stereotype, and I think it's true for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But I said, oh, high school was great. I was in, you know, honors classes and, and got to learn wonderful things and take theater and, and be on the, the quiz team and all this cool stuff that I really liked a lot, and I learned how to edit videos. Um But middle school was the tough part for me. So I told my father that, oh, no, middle school was awful. Middle school was where I I had all that stuff. And he said, and he was like, and that's why you would come home and 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 we couldn't get you to talk or whatever. It was like, oh, I didn't know, you know, inside yourself as a as a kid, how much you're hurting your parents' feelings by by moving away from them. But
0: yeah, like so many, so much of that stuff we're we're not aware of, right?
1: Yeah, I think it would have happened if not in middle school, it would have happened in high school. I think it might just be a natural part of what has to happen for a kid in the modern world to assert their independence. Because, um, I mean, for I mean, certainly there are other cultures where this is still is the case. But, you know, in traditional societies, you would be with your parents and you'd be a child basically until you got married. And then you would go and have a room inside of the larger house with your parents. Right. And then then you were a grown up and you had a separate life. Right. But it wasn't until then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And as like scary or horrible or, you know, wonderful as something like school was like whether, you know, middle school or or, uh, elementary school or high school or whatever. Right. It like. No matter what it was like, it was it was something that was like yours. It was mm-hmm. your experience, your personal experience, and so um, I can see uh, kids not wanting to share that because, like, this is this is so fundamentally mine,
1: right? That's that that's very interesting.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. So Chris punches uh, or kind of taps uh, Reagan with her fist, like, "Oh, you're being a little scamp, right?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, And we get, we get sort of a, so we do end that scene with a little bit of a glimpse of the old relationship of they are, you know, when they are in conflict, it's in jest and it's all, it's all fun games.
0: Right. Right. Um, and then we cut up to so now we're up in, uh, Reagan's bedroom.
1: Yeah. It's a pretty hard cut, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not some nice dissolve or anything. And it cuts in, into the action of Reagan, um, being tucked in while Reagan is simultaneously flipping, uh, open the cover of the photoplay magazine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a lot happening in this cut, you know, to go from a, sta- a stationary cut, a stationary shot with nothing, no movement essentially, just two actors smiling at each other and being happy in the moment to this pretty frantic cut comparatively.
0: Yeah. Which actually, I mean, like, now that I think about it, like the book had a more, uh, I don't know, I don't know what you would say, like a cleaner or more gradual, like there was a finality to this scene. Mm-hmm. Like they, they kind of like, they go upstairs and, and Reagan sort of looks back down at the Ouija board and she calls Captain Howdy a poop. Um,
1: <laughs> it's like, yeah, she's old like, poop that's Catherine Hepburn like, in it. Yeah, right? Oh yeah, old poop.
0: There's a definite ending to that scene. She, Cause Chris kind of like convinces reagan to come away from the board and it's like oh you know maybe he's sleeping honey come on let's go upstairs Mm -hmm. and she like she follows her mother up and then she just like turns around it's like i was like why is he why is he being so poopy like what like you know what's that all about you know and then you know light turns off and now and then it's like you know them in uh In Reagan's bedroom.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. So we end on on this uh, sort of actor standoff and we get to this shot, a rather unflattering shot of uh, Chris on the cover of PhotoPlay magazine. Yeah. And there's a ton of information. I'm not sure how much we're supposed to know because as I said, when we cut into it, Reagan is already flipping past this picture. Right. So I only notice it as I'm pausing it and looking at it, but there's a lot of information on this.
0: Yeah. And, And I wanted to speak to this. So Okay. So the, the magazine is called PhotoPlay. Is mm-hmm. that a real magazine? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. All right. Cause I was going to say like, cause I know there was, there was a time and maybe you can better explain this mm-hmm. uh, to me, but there, I like, wasn't there a time when like we couldn't use like actual branded things in, uh, in movies? Like it would have to be like a fake magazine. You know what I
1: mean? Oh, right. Well, it certainly would be uh, easier. It was always easier to do that. Um, there, there is the general the general law about that. The general rule is that a brand can object to you if you're using their real product in your movie or TV show or, or what have you, um, and you're using it counter to the way that it is intended. So if you're using it against uh, its intended use, so you can pop aspirin, right? That's fine, but you can't use aspirin to poison your dog. That would be something Ah, they could object to. Um, So you could have uh, our buddy Cap and Crunch, you know, you could be eating Cap and Crunch, but you can't have Cap and Crunch uh, and then the box. Captain uh, Howdy comes out of the box and kills people. Oh, so there we go. Yeah. So there's like this Tarantino thing where he makes up fake brands, you know, Um, and in kill bill. There's a a box of cereal um, that I think are called blamos or something like that or blastos. And that's because they can't use a real brand there, even though Tarantino would probably want to come up with his own fake one anyways, because it's fun for him. Um, But he can't use a real cereal brand for that box because there's a gun hidden in it. So the character pulls out the gun from the box of cereal. That's no good.
0: Is that like the serial version of the Carmen coincidence blamos? And it's is this is this the Captain Crunch coincidence?
1: <laughs> the Captain Crunch coincidence yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can use yeah, um, you know, on the Alfred Hitchcock Hour uh, back in the in the nineteen sixties, um, they would al- often be sponsored by uh, cars. Um, Like that was their main sponsor. And so I actually, I can't remember if it was Alphagic Presents in the 50s or the Alpha Geek Track Hour later on, but, but one of them was sponsored by a car company. And so they kept getting notes all the time, like, be sure that you're not using cars to run people over. <laughs> like even if it's not our car, like we don't want to be part of this where you're like the murder is that you've hit somebody with your car, <laughs> right? Um, and I was once on a show, I was one on a, TV, uh, a movie where um, there was a character who was um, drugging women and taking pictures of them right when they were sleeping, and the crew had to be sure that uh, they covered every single instance of canon, which was the camera that maybe I shouldn't say that, but oh. canon. You know, you're holding the camera up, and mm-hmm. they. You know, they hadn't gotten a letter from Canon. They hadn't gotten a letter from anybody, but they just want to be sure that that they don't accidentally let slip. And then Canon is like, "You can't do that. Canon isn't the isn't the camera of uh of 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 you know creeps who who drug women. Yeah, that's not it." So, um, oh. I have a I have a feeling though with this photo play one that oh this... can I sp- can I speak oh, really quickly too?
0: Like, so that actually reminds me of like the invention of Reese's Pieces. Mm-hmm. So, folks, um, I mean Reese's Pieces came out. Uh, what was it like? Like early 80s, to, I guess. Yeah, early 80s. Um, and it was specifically because, um, uh, what is it? Spielberg went to, uh, um,
1: uh, what was it, M&M's? M&M's, yeah, to have E.T. be uh, lured out of the shed with M&M's, like Hansel and Gretel.
0: So in the movie E.T., right, yeah. Like, uh, Elliot was originally supposed to be using M&M's, and they were like, we don't want our candy associated with, like, some... Weird, slimy
1: creature. Some creepy Um, alien. Yeah. Some creepy alien pedophile who touches kids in the chest with his long, long finger. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But yeah,
0: so then they went to Reese's and we're like, we're all about that. We're
1: all about Uh, (laughs) that. I'll be right here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they so they um, so M&M's doesn't get the product placement and and Reese's Pieces does. And it launches them as a brand. They were not really known before that. Um, We talked about that like Spielberg seems to like his world being filled with brands. Hmm. Um, beyond the idea of like the brands are paying the the company right product placement or or at least um you know a lot of product placement isn't on camera it's like here's a bunch of jackets for the crew and we'll make them for the crew and that way the crew knows them so it's not even on camera that the audience gets to see um but you know they might they might give you um yeah, jackets or they might uh, rent you certain cars and give you a discount on that so everybody knows that this is the uh, the car of the of the show um but even beyond that, Spielberg seems to just like having his world as, as real people in the '70s and '80s have it, like inundated with brand information.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And yeah, yeah in the nineteen, uh, the classical days, right, the '30s, '40s, and '50s, the studios tended to tended to avoid that. There's still some products that you can see that are around, but it tends to be generic coffee or generic um, soda from the fountain. We were in a much more generic world back then, not not branded uh, branded information everywhere.
0: Right, right.
1: So my my guess here with Photoplay is that this is something that they would contract with Photoplay, um mm. to, to use their name here. So this probably isn't without Photoplay's um permission, I would guess. That's what I would guess there. And Photoplay was one of the original fan magazines from the nineteen tens that uh mm. that Hollywood had this really strange relationship with these gossip magazines. Um they they tended not to be like this one that we see of Chris here, like a, a tabloid where they're like shooting a picture of Chris and Reagan against their will that we get here
0: yeah it looks it looks very like not glamored up yeah
1: it's- in the old days it was very glamorous and uh, most of the materials uh in photo play and other magazines were given to them by the studios and made to look as if um as if they were capturing stars out in the public but most of them were prearranged. they would um because then you worked at a certain studio you didn't like today you might do a warner brothers movie and then a sony movie and then a parent movie the disney movie you're not under contract with them you don't you're not the employee of them for years right. um, back in the studio days you were you you worked at Warner Brothers for seven years, RKO for seven years, and they were seven year contracts. So they were your boss and you like went to the office every day, very much like like that. So they would set you up and, and set you up on a date somewhere, and they would have the photographer and the reporter know that you were going there, and, and happen to bump into you and take pictures of you there. Um, so most of the material was was completely set up by the studios, although it was meant to look like, oh, we are going out and doing something like journalism. You know, no one no one mistook it for hard hitting New York Times stuff, <laughs> but right. but something like, oh, we actually have our reporters and they're always on the lookout and they're always sc- uh, getting scoops of the celebrities out of the Brown Derby and the and the Coconut Grove but it was mostly manufactured.
0: Interesting. So Reagan has this magazine and she's, she's reading it in bed. Um, how interested do you think Reagan is in her mother's fame? Like, how does she like, do we get any inklings of that?
1: Yeah, it's really strange. Right. So she knows her mother is, is famous. <laughs> um, she doesn't necessarily comment. I wonder if, if again, like she's just too young to really understand what, what she's a part of yeah. she's looking at this a really um really unflattering <laughs> magazine cover of even herself right so we don't get any dialogue or even a reaction shot here of her looking at it going ill or looking at it going cool
0: right like oh they got our bad sides on right. this right and you know like she doesn't care like it's all it's almost like it's like oh It's like me and my mom in a magazine. Like I read other magazines. This is cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, who put this magazine here? (laughs) But yeah, if you look at it, it says trouble in the McNeil house, and that Howard has walked away.
0: Oh, I didn't even. Oh, yeah, I didn't. You have to
1: really. Yeah, you really have to look. It says the night Howard walked out on his wife. Big trouble in the McNeil marriage. uh, Chris McNeil with daughter Reagan. Um, so there's a lot of information there. Again, I don't think that we're really supposed to be able to read any of that copy on, on the first uh, read through the first view through. And at the very top, it says rock Hudson in head on crash. (laughs) And that confused me. I was like, Oh, was rock Hudson really in a crash in, in the 1970s? And I I can't find it if he was. So they just happened to have taken a real movie star and said that he got in a terrible crash.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And put it in a film. Like, like the exorcist, no less.
1: (laughs) Yeah. A film that
0: we're thinking is cursed. It's like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you're not supposed to be able to, to read this, I think, but, uh, Mm. but it's, it's just there. So again, they didn't like make up a fake name, you know, Mm. um, they made a real name, Rock Hudson, big movie star, like the Mm -hmm. biggest movie star of the late fifties, the big, biggest male movie star, at least, um, and then underneath it is is uh, Chris McNeil. So it's like, oh, Chris is in this world with real movie stars, right? Um, but yeah, at the same time, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to attribute Rock Hudson's early death to uh, to oh the Exorcist curse?
0: No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this at all.
1: <laughs> do you know about Rock Hudson?
0: No, I don't. Here, uh, tell us. Tell us.
1: So, just to be clear, this is this is not funny. This is all. This is all sad. We're not making a joke here at all. Mm. But Rock Hudson was uh, was gay in the 1950s, um, and that was pretty well known amongst his his contemporaries. Uh, you know, it's always tough when you look back at people in history who were LGBTQ plus, and we don't. You know, in a time when they couldn't identify or wouldn't identify the same way that we would today, um, right. so we don't know if Rock Hudson was um, gay or bisexual, how he would identify. But he did have. You know, he was married to a woman um but but most people who knew him at the time also knew that he he had relationships with men and um and uh you know there were always uh, rumors about who that would be uh mm-hmm. who he, he would have a relationship with but so he was a huge star of the 1950s um mm-hmm. and he um he in the 1960s transitioned into sort of drama. And then by the time of this in the 1970s, he was a big TV star, Macmillan and Son. Uh, hmm, okay. So that would have been so he was still a known commodity here. But then in the 1980s, he unfortunately catches um, HIV, he uh, contracts HIV. Oh. And he has a reunion special with his movie star partner, uh, Doris Day. They were in a bunch of really light rom coms together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rock Hudson was, uh, came onto this, um, onto this, uh, reunion special and he was visibly sick, uh, you know, and, and oh. uh, Doris Day was shocked. This is his friend. He, she didn't know he was sick mm-hmm. and, uh, he passed away and he was the first, um, you know, of the old stars to be outed in this way and then mm-hmm. to die of AIDS. Wow! Not funny. So I just want to be yeah, no, not not, not trying to be funny at all. I think it's just strange that they would again use his name and uh, and create what I believe is a as a fake crash, Rock Hudson and yeah. heads on crash. Yeah. Wow. But it's okay. the kind yeah. of stuff that yeah, photo play at this time, which is more tabloidy would have would have been
0: would have done. Yeah. yeah um okay yeah and 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 yeah so so that 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 part was not uh was not meant to be uh like we're not we're not making light of it or anything like that this is uh um so your reasons for not laughing at that part are very (laughs) different from your reasons for not laughing at the rest of it yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) right but yeah it's such a trashy looking magazine it's I i don't know PhotoPlay very well from this period i know it from from before um you know when it was glamorous but i don't know if you've seen recently the this is pretty recent um with uh 21 Savage and Drake who created a fake Vogue t- uh, cover for themselves? Oh, no. So Please. Anna Winter of Vogue has uh, sued them um for making in a music video or, or not a music video like the the campaign for the music video like a fake um Vogue cover of them on the cover. Um and you're generally uh, allowed to parody things, right? You're generally allowed to Make your own cover of Time Magazine as long you know, and put yourself on the cover as long as you not like Donald Trump. Like pretend it's a real cover, right? You know. Right. So so I don't know where this is going to land because they, um, yeah, Drake and, and Twenty One Savage have this fake vote cover. They have this fake performance of them on SNL, um, like as if as if they were in this media blitz. And I I don't know it, it, if if they explain it to you, it's very clearly parody, which is protected. But then if you if you just look at the materials themselves, they look real. It looks like a totally real Vogue uh, cover. Interesting. Yeah. So Anna Winter huh. is not happy, as she is usually not.
0: Yeah. <sighs> um. The next, so so uh, Chris takes this uh, magazine from uh, her daughter, and she's. Uh, she she's like, it's like, why are you looking at that? Mm-hmm. Right, Like in this, not not in a mean way, but in a, in a it's, like, it's like, oh, don't rot your brain with that, honey. Right. Um, it's not, it, you know, it's like, it's like, who cares about that, right? And again, I, I like this, you know, um, it's such a throwaway reminder that Chris is a superstar, right? Because we get her on the cover of the magazine and everything like that. But it's like literally throwaway because Chris grabs it and she tosses it <laughs> aside as if to say, this is not important. You know what's more important? My daughter has a stray eyelash and I got to get that for her. Right. Um, and And, you know, again, we see like what really matters to her. um, And this is more proof of like this loving relationship that we were talking about uh, earlier. Um, But then also kind of like this is um, in the previous minute, we also had like that threat of like maybe that relationship is changing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And just a little thing. I'm I'm interested in what you Think of this little line that Reagan has. She says, I wouldn't talk. Um, When Chris takes the magazine, she kind of like, you know, tosses it over onto the onto the chair and she's like, oh, you wouldn't talk. Well, you know, my makeup man wasn't there and everything like that. And this seems like a... This seems like part of a conversation that like we're supposed to know the rest of like the context, but we don't. But it's like, you know, naturally, like in real life, if you like walked in on these people, like you wouldn't know what they're talking about. Right. And they wouldn't explain it in the movie. Oh, you mean you wouldn't talk when we were having that photo shoot and, uh, you know, and uh, the, the the photographer was trying to get you to talk and he was making jokes and you wouldn't talk, <laughs> you know, like we don't hear any of that. We just hear that last little like bit. Right. And so I wonder if like, you know, did Linda Blair and – um Ellen Burstyn be like oh hey let's let, let let's make up a story uh behind this uh um uh magazine cover
1: you know right it's not in the screenplay that we have of course there are changes as we've seen the version that we have is is an earlier it's a production draft but relatively early in the production in in december of of 72 so it's not there and and perhaps they have you know uh worked on some ad lib um conversation maybe there's another draft of it that we can't find online uh that is written but yeah it it i it, it kind of works that it's sort of a fragment of a of a conversation rather than every single conversation is significant
0: yeah yeah um and i like it, it and it you know kind of like brings us into the world a little bit more it's like oh this is real right like um she's not talking about like the you know the picture she's talking about like the memory of the taking of the picture right um and I really like that um I also really like this this little business of the like getting the eyelash out of uh, Reagan's eye it that I don't I don't know why and I don't know the words to like properly describe this but it seems like so. Like real, like, like, like not acting at all. It's like, cause she tried, she goes for the eyelash. She like, she's like, Oh, I didn't get it. Right. She goes back in there uh for it. And <laughs> I don't know, like, like that's, that, that seems like such a real like mom thing that, you know, a mom would do, you know, kind of like, you know, fussing over the, you know, uh, the child's like eyelashes or hair or something like that.
1: Right, I never know how to deal with this when I'm an actor in makeup. I'm always afraid of messing up my makeup and having the makeup blades be mad at me, which of course they wouldn't be. But I'm always, "Don't touch my face! Don't do it!"
0: <laughs> but yeah, like you know, really nice little bit of business. Um, and then. Chris asks Reagan uh, what she wants to do for her birthday, and isn't it nice that it's on a Sunday this year? And just this little mention of the holy day of Sunday, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure Catholics in the theater were like, ooh. You know?
1: <laughs> right. This is still the period where um, where Catholics really took some of these things seriously, like like not mm-hmm. eating mm-hmm. meat on, um, on, Fridays. on Fridays. Yeah, and yeah. McDonald's had to change their uh, their menu and add fish. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the filet of fish. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I think um, it's, again, just a really sort of nice moment there. I, I think we're going to increasingly have fewer and fewer of these mm-hmm. <laughs> nice moments of of them being together. And uh, we get to see Reagan's bedroom where we will spend a lot of time um, Yeah, later on. So when we first see it, it's it's covered in cold. It's, it's so freezing. It's something eerie. There's rats or something in the attic. And right. here's uh, perhaps the only time where we... Just get to uh, get to enjoy ourselves here.
0: It's a nice, it's a nice cozy bedroom, right? Mm-hmm, right. Like actually, until you just said it just now, I didn't even put together. I mean, like, of course, this is the same room,
1: right? Where the climax like, of the movie is, right? Where the, this is the this
0: is the power of Christ compels you room, right? Um, I didn't. Oh my god, Keenan! I like. I wasn't even thinking of that. Right. This, yeah, this is that room, and we're not seeing it in those. I can't remember now and I, I, you know, I don't want to like fast forward it in the, in the, the movie, but like, from what I remember, it was much easier to see like the dimensions of the room once, once, you know, everything gets all demonic, right? Like the corners are sharp and stark and, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is like, you know, washed in like one color. And here you have all of these colors and, and like, you know, the background is blurry. You can't make out what's, um you know what's on the end table over there mm-hmm. um yeah it's very like this looks like a like a close cozy like it doesn't even seem like the same size oh my god like, right now that i'm looking at it like when Karis goes and, and first meets uh the demon in this same room the room seems like so much bigger right.
1: like and and like empty and it is it is quite a walk from the door to the bed right every time that happens yeah. it's like oh okay, god and later on chris will try to like um, run from the hall into the room and it, everything is very far away. <laughs> you just, you right. stop from doing it, yeah.
0: Oh my God. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, like this is the same room. Mm-hmm. Huh? Oh, that is really cool. And that, yeah, I th- that's, that's pretty much all I got for this minute. We're going to get into some, uh, you know, some, some dialogue between Chris and Reagan in the next minute, but for this one, uh, that's all I can think of. Um, yeah. So Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking?
1: I think I am Lester.
0: All right, folks, until next time,
1: the power of Reese's Pieces
0: compels you. ET phone home <laughs> Elliot, Bart. Your mother sucks coxswain. Oh
1: no Oh no ET ET what are you doing What are you doing
0: Do you know what Elliot did <laughs> Now I'm just combining both. yeah Or Reagan's neck does that weird stretchy thing it's like <laughs>